Good morning. Let's open our Bibles this morning, which I trust you have brought with you, to Luke chapter 5. Last week we looked at Jesus, the perfect servant. This week it'll be Jesus, the perfect teacher. Luke chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 1. So it was... As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus really teaches two classes here in this passage. Two lessons. Now, there's the one lesson to the multitudes that he teaches from the boat. We can't comment on that because we can't hear it. God didn't tell us what Jesus said in that lesson. Would have been a great message. I know that. But there's a second lesson that the teacher teaches, and that's the lesson to Peter. And that's the lesson that we hear. And that's the one we want to focus on this morning. Because Peter is going to learn something about the Lord Jesus and something about himself. It's a lesson that needed to be repeated in Peter's life. And it's a lesson. And if you're a believer, you need it too, over and over again. You know, Jesus did many things in his earthly ministry. Um, In John 17... Before the cross, he uh, said that he had finished the work that his father had given him to do. Obviously, he still had the cross to go, but he was talking about his earthly ministry. And we sometimes think of Jesus kind of randomly going around doing acts of, of goodness, but it was very specific. The things he did, every step, every act, every word was from the father, intended from the father for him to do. So that when he said, I finished the work, He meant every little detail 
that God had in mind for him, he had done. From simply the life example of living 33 years before men, the perfect life, the only one that's been, ever been lived, so that at the end of uh, his, his ministry, he could tell Philip, uh, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Uh, all of the healings, blind, deaf, lame, lepers, everyone was intended from God. A special appointment. The miracles, water to wine, uh, calming the sea, feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000. And on top of all of that, uh, his work consisted of training the 12, the 12 disciples. And what a handful. And, you know, we, we think of, yeah, that's right. He taught them how to teach and preach and how to deal with people and so on. Yes, but he worked on their character. That's the real training. You see, he took, he took men and men in the rough like us, men and women in the rough. And he had to mold them and shape them into ones that he could use to literally later, it says, turn the world upside down for him. So here he has four raw fishermen, for example. <clears throat> and, um, how do you, how do you teach character? <laughs> It'd be nice if you just go to the blackboard, right? Humility. Okay, this is what it is. This is, this is, uh, these are the various parts of it. And this is how you learn humility once and for all. And now you're done. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know, patience. I'll, I'll speak honestly. I need to learn over and over again. Okay. About the positive character traits, the, the fruit of the spirit. I, I, I feel like I've uh, gotten my handle on something and I turn right around and I've lost it again. But the Lord is so patient. He's in session again. It was with Peter. So we're going to talk about Peter, but we're not picking on him. He's just like us. And, and God puts him, out of all the 12, you know, there's much more said about Peter than anybody else. And God did that for a reason. So we could learn from the Lord's dealings with the life of Peter and see how he, he deals with us as well. We can't go, we're not going to do a, 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 an entire character study of Peter this morning, but just, just to remind you, refresh your memory, you know the life of Peter in the Gospels. It's up and down. One minute he's up on top. That's Peter. Uh, you, you remember when Jesus said plainly that he was going to be crucified. It's interesting. It says, Peter, listen to this. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? You know, it's like, uh, Lord, I don't want to embarrass you in front of the rest of the So come over here. I want to talk to you a minute. Can you, can you imagine? You know, I know better than you, Lord. I don't know where you're getting this thinking, but it's wrong. You're not going to die. Can you imagine that? That's Peter. <clears throat> Do we ever think we know better than the Lord? Uh-huh. Yeah. Particularly when it's something that is personal, huh? That hits home. And at that point, Jesus taught Peter <laughs> with a direct lesson by rebuking him. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You savor the things of men and not the things of God. Wow. I think Peter might have learned the lesson again there. 
later, it's interesting. I, I said this a few weeks ago when I was preaching on the demon-possessed uh, man. It's very interesting to me that Jesus says to Peter, out of all the disciples, he says, you know, Peter, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. Now, why did Satan ask for Peter? Well, I believe it's because uh, Peter would have been the ideal candidate for the devil to use to destroy the work of Christ. You see, with his volatility, you know, up on the mountaintop one day and down in the valley the next, that's just the kind of guy. Get him at a low point, right? I've seen it happen in churches. God will use one man. Or pardon me, the devil will use one man to bring down the work of God. And I think that's what he had in mind with Peter. And how did uh, Jesus uh, teach Peter that time? Well, through encouragement and prayer. He said, but I have prayed for you. And then he goes on to say, and when you return, strengthen your brethren. Isn't that good? When you return. And it was, Peter, you're going to go through some rough times. And he certainly did. But when you return, in other words, the sun is going to come out again. Okay, Peter. And when and when you return, strengthen your brethren. So all the way from the doldrums to strengthening the brethren, being a helper again. And then, of course, uh, finally, the capper. You'd think uh, Peter would have learned by now, but he reminds me of me again. When uh, Peter, uh, uh, when the Lord Jesus was saying, uh, tonight you will all forsake me. You will all be stumbled, he said. And you remember Peter uh, spoke up and he says, look, the rest of them may stumble, but not me. <laughs> I guess uh, the word all there didn't apply to Peter. And uh, the Lord answered him back. He's asking for it. And so the Lord told him specifically what was going to happen. He said, look, the cock's not going to crow until you deny me three times, three times. Uh, and it's so touching later when the Lord Jesus is uh, being questioned in, uh, in the house of the high priest. And Peter's outside, you remember, warming himself by the fire, you know. And uh, twice he, he uh, denies knowing the Lord once with oaths, he swears, you know. I don't know the man. What's interesting to me is it, for some reason it didn't click. He, he, he didn't remember that the Lord had said that's going to happen. He's so caught up in self-preservation that he's lost sight of what Jesus had said. And so he does it a third time. And here's the kicker. The Lord Jesus is so economical when he teaches. Here it was just a look. It says, uh, then after about an hour passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And listen to this. And the Lord turned and looked at him. That look. And it says right after that, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Then he remembered. And can you imagine it all come crashing down on him? Suddenly when the Lord looks at him and he remembers what Jesus had said and he'd just done it. It was the furthest thing from his mind. 
No wonder it says he went out and wept bitterly. Praise God. You know, he's the God of recovery. You know, he he's not out to make Peter uh, the lowest of the low and, and uh, make him feel rotten. But <laughs> this is what Peter needed. And this is what I need sometimes. What you need sometimes. We forget, you know, I, we forget that we're really sinners. I mean, really deep down inside. We need to be reminded. We think we can do it on our own, but we need it without Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We need to be reminded of that. If there's any pride, any self-reliance, self-confidence, a critical spirit, he cannot, he will not use us, period. That's it. But allow him to prune off those dead branches. And man, we into useful, fruitful people. He's still in the business of doing that today. I can testify to it in my own life, and I think many here can. Okay, well, here we are on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in verse 1, and the same multitude that's been following Jesus, they're still there. And it's wonderful. I love this. It says, they pressed about him to hear the word of God. Isn't that great? Do you love the word of God? Man, I love the word of God. I don't know how many times I've read this passage and as I prepared the last couple of weeks, it just it's like it's brand new. Every time there's something new that the Lord has. When I read this, any books or heard any stories about missionaries, you know, this is a very common tale. I'm thinking of one, for example, of a missionary in Borneo where they go to a group of people who never heard the gospel. In this case, it was middle of the jungle and um, it took him a long time to get there the people have been waiting all day he gets there at 11 30 at night and they're all sitting there patiently waiting he says i almost didn't want to ask him because it was but do you, do you want to hear the word? oh yes please now we want to hear it 11 30 they're tired he's tired. his uh translator and so they start talking in shifts. He speaks for a half hour, and then his guide, his uh, translator speaks for a half hour. They made it to 2.30 until it was the translator's turn to take over, and he fell asleep. So they made it for, well, that's three hours. Three hours. Three hours of hearing the Word of God. Well, uh, they had dogs in the village, and they started barking, he said, about 5.30, about sunup. And he comes to, and guess what he sees all around him? That's right, they're still there, waiting for him to wake up so he could preach some more. So he picked up where he left off and teached into, uh, taught into the afternoon. And uh, he's around 2 o'clock, he finished, and a, a great number of them were saved in that, uh, in that village. And this isn't some, you know, oh, a bunch of them asked Jesus into their heart. No, there was a church established in that village. There were elders raised up preachers and teachers it expanded into the surrounding villages the church grew so large it had they had to hive off a couple of years later it was a work of god but let me tell you those people they love the word of god they wanted to hear it okay you need to take time out for you to take a nap go ahead we'll wait you know i love it now relax we're not going to do that today okay Uh, okay, so we find out here <clears throat> that Jesus, Jesus, as he's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, 
There happened to be two boats there belonging to fishermen. We are told later who they belong to. Uh, Peter and his brother Andrew own one of the boats, and John, uh, James and John, <clears throat> the sons of Zebedee, own the other. They're partners in the fishing uh, business. <clears throat> and um, the Lord Jesus already knows the character of Peter, and uh, he's already beginning with lesson one, right here. He uh, gets into, not surprisingly, Peter's boat. Now, I want you to notice that um, it says uh, in verse 2, he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So the fishermen are down the shore. They're out of earshot here. Okay? The point is, if the Lord Jesus taught the multitude now, Peter and the other three guys are, are down the shore. He wants here with him. So he, think about it. Jesus doesn't need to use this boat. All right. There's no other recorded time in history when he's got a crowd. He just sits down or gets on the side and he teaches them. Right. He got, I think the primary reason he got the boat is to get uh, Peter in there as a captive audience. Because he's going to teach Peter something. OK, now. <clears throat> It's interesting to me when you read some of the uh, commentaries and writings about this, e people either portray Peter as super spiritual, you know, uh, perfect from the get-go, or super carnal. It's, it's, it, no. Look, Peter is just like you and me. Okay? He's just a guy like you and me. Now, let's think about it. They've been fishing all night. Do you think Peter's tired? Yeah. What did they catch? Nothing. You think he's frustrated? Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't you be? By the way, let's get the picture of what we mean here with the nets. I think people often when they read this, they think of the cute little circular nets, you know, maybe 10 feet across that they kind of whirl out into the water from the shore and drop down on the fish. That's not what this is. We're talking big nets. These things are 100 feet long or longer. They are big. They are heavy. And it's no small task to take this fairly good-sized boat out there into the Sea of Galilee, let this thing down. You don't want to get it tangled. It's very large. They have to stack it just right and then unstack it just right. They have floats on the top and weights on the bottom. It's either one of those circular nets, okay, that drops down like this, right, and... The, they bring the two ends together so it forms a complete circle and then they tighten it up. Or it's a drag net where they literally just take it uh, through the water like that. In, in either case, it's a huge net. Cleaning it is no small thing because when they take it through the bottom, uh, as it uh, scrapes across the bottom of the lake, it picks up all kind of debris. Twigs, branches, leaves, rocks, sand, non-fish. Okay. And it's, it's quite an arduous task, you know, hours of work to clean that thing and then to repair the tears. That's part of cleaning. Getting it all back together, stacking it and so on. So imagine coming back, you've fished all night. They're exhausted, but they've still got to clean their nets, which is another several hours' work. So you got the picture? So they're over there cleaning their nets, and they're probably just about done. And Peter's thinking, oh, man. You know, a nice hot meal, and I'm going to hit the hay. 
And Jesus says, Peter, come over here. I need you. Now, I'll put myself in Peter's. If, if I were to hear that, I'm just about ready to go home. I think, oh, not now, Lord, please. You know, get somebody else. But the Lord has something else in mind. Peter needs to learn a lesson. So that's the picture. Um, so get the picture now. They're just offshore. And Peter is, is manning the boat. Now, if you've ever rowed uh, in, in, a, in a rowboat, um, they don't stay put. If you just stop rowing and sit in it, does, does the boat just sit there? Unfortunately not, right? If you've ever uh, tried that, we go out on Lake Chabot in uh, Golden Gate Park. No, it drifts, okay, with the current and the wind and so on. And so Peter's there with his oars. Just pure, he's, he's obviously a very experienced guy, you know, just kind of making little adjustments every once in a while to keep the Lord facing the audience. Do you understand? The Lord is sitting in the boat and, you know, he can't be going. You know, so so Peter is there for a reason to keep the boat pointed at the people or the Lord Jesus pointed at the people. Making little adjustments here and there and listening. And we'd like to think, well, you know, he's super spiritual, but I, I have a feeling Peter's uh, a lot like you and me. I think he's struggling with. You know, the idea that he, these are spiritual words and, and this profound certainly is affected by the speaking of the Lord Jesus. While at the same time, you know, oh, man, I just when this thing's over, I'm going to go back, finish the nets and get home. You know, now, you don't ever go through that here on Sunday morning, do you? I mean, as soon as you walk through that door, I'm all ears, right? Don't think about the day's activities or what happened last week. Isn't that good? You guys have such self-control. Just like me. So he's okay. That's that's Peter. All right. That's where he's at. The point is, I want you to understand. You're going to hear, you're going to understand better when we get to that point. Why Peter falls down and says, I am a sinful man. Because he's sinning in his thoughts and he knows it. But right now he's not. He doesn't realize it. I do that all the time. You know, you really don't realize that what you're thinking is not a good thing. You know. So I think that um, Peter is struggling with, you know, I know Jesus means well, but I know the need and it's to clean up right now. Well, finally, in verse four, it says when he had stopped speaking and I can just imagine Peter at last sermons over. You know, I can go finish my job and get home. Uh, but it didn't work that way, did it? And how these words must have uh, just uh, cut to the heart of Peter. You know, oh man, let's do it all over again, Peter. Get the nets in the boat and let's go out into the deep water and we're going to drop down the nets and try to catch some fish. And Peter, obviously a very experienced fisherman, uh, you can tell from what he says to the Lord here uh, in verse five that he's objecting. But he, he recognizes the Lord is somebody special. And so he he tempers it a little bit. <clears throat> but this is going to be heavy backbreaking work all over again. Just when Peter thought he was going to get some rest. And listen what uh 
Peter says in answer, Master, we have toiled all night. The word for uh, toiled there or whatever you have in your version is a very strong word. It's uh, labor to the point of exhaustion. He's really stressing, man, we're, we're beat, Lord. And then all night, that's a long time. Can you imagine dropping down those nets, bringing them in, dropping them down again all night and not one fish to show for it? Wow. And then finally he says, we caught nothing. He's frustrated. No reward for his effort, except whether you catch fish or not, you've got to then clean the nets. Another several hours work. Uh, We often read this and we say, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I don't think it was said like that. I think there's a big pause. I think Peter said something like, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And uh, there is certainly probably a smidgen of faith in that. But I think it's more Peter saying, all right, this is your idea. When I when we do go through this exercise again and there are no fish, I didn't think of this. The fisherman didn't think of this. Okay, the carpenter did. And he's just thinking, you know, oh, man, we're going to we're going to do what we did last night. And then and then you and they're not clean. You've got to clean them all over again. Okay. Well, uh, Scripture is very uh, simple about it. It, doesn't, it. it just says it with a few words. Verse 6. <laughs> when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Wow. Isn't that great? That's like the Lord, you know. Uh, by the way... Um, do you know why they didn't catch any fish the night before? For the same reason they caught so many this time. You see, the Lord started the lesson. He, he had to prepare Peter to learn about himself. And so when you're involved in a profession like this, whether it's a farmer waiting on the crops or the fisherman waiting on the fish, the mercy of the Lord, you know. It's the Lord's grace when it rains and when the crops grow and when the fish come into the net every time. And when they don't, that's from the Lord. And so uh, it did. It's not just an accident that Jesus happened to come along on a bad night. Okay. So uh, bringing in these fish, we read it just in a sentence or so here, but uh, we're talking another half hour to hour's work of hauling these things in with all that weight and that huge net and having to get the other boat over there with the two guys and work at it and bring it in to shore. We're talking another half hour, hour, probably more of work. But this time, you know what? They're not frustrated. They're happy. This is the kind of work they like. They may have been beat from last night's work, but man, they're they're enjoying this. This is the kind of work they like, you know. By the way, a little insight here. You notice the difference between uh, working outside the Lord and being fruitless and serving the Lord with His blessing? It's the kind of work that's fun. 
Okay? Well, uh, now we come to the point in verse 8 where out of the blue, when you, when you first read this, it seems, why did he do this? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, you see why he said it. Uh, he's fresh from his sin, I guess is, is the way to put it. He, he's just had those thoughts of resentment and impatience, maybe even anger, I don't know, but certainly uh, struggling with doing what the Lord wanted, you know, fighting his will against the Lord's. And he knew it, and now he found out what the Lord had in mind, and it just crushed him. You know, I think probably the, the thing that's most convicting to me in my life is like this. You know, when I'm struggling with the Lord and all of a sudden He just opens the, the gates of heaven and dumps a blessing all over me. Have you ever had that? Man, you just say, ah, oh, He is so good. And what a sinner I am. You know? Man, I don't deserve a God like that. He is so wonderful. And I, and that's what, that's what Peter's going through here, you see. He, he's got a fresh view of what he's like. And he's got a, see, it's two lessons. He sees himself, but he sees Jesus. It's when we get such a, a clear view of what the Lord is like. All of a sudden, the things we didn't notice about ourselves come into sharp focus. And we get honest. And we see ourselves for what we really are. By the way, that's the way you want to be, isn't it? Honest. Huh? Truthful. So when Peter says, I am a sinful man, it's not like right now I'm a sinful man, but normally I'm a good guy. Okay? It's just that he he sees it now like he's never seen it before. The Lord is so good. And he's such a great teacher, by the way. <clears throat> what did he what, what did he learn, for example, about the Lord? Think about it. What did he suddenly see about the Lord Jesus that he didn't see before? First of all, he saw his power. Huh? This, I'll promise you, this is something they have never seen in the fishing trade before, probably in the whole region of Galilee. Sinking two boats with fish, okay? And he realizes, wow, look at the power of the Lord. <clears throat> His mercy. When he looks back and he, and he knows what he was doing in his own heart and how gracious the Lord was and how merciful and putting up with him, you know, and not saying, all right, Peter, if that's your attitude, go ahead, go, go clean your nets and go home. He didn't do that. His kindness, you know, when it's all said and done, this fishing expedition is worthwhile, and that's putting it mildly. They probably don't have to fish for a month now. His, his humility, Wow when he realizes who the Lord is and what he's doing here, that he would uh, just consent to be in the boat with him. You know? And his patience, obviously. So all of this, you know, in a moment of time, it just it would have dawned on Peter. And as he saw the Lord and he saw his own heart, it just hit him like a ton of bricks. And he fell down at the knees of Jesus. He just fell down. He's just such a broken man. That's good, by the way, okay? Don't feel sorry for him. This is a good thing. Because now the Lord can use him. 
As long as we're self-sufficient and we know it all and we know better than the Lord, we're useless. When we get an honest view of ourselves like Peter did here, because you notice, by the way, uh, the Lord didn't say, okay, now you, now you see the truth. Now you know you're a rotten sinner. No. First he says, don't be afraid, Peter. And then he says, from now on you will catch men. It's so wonderful. Now, the Lord says, now I got something for you to do, Peter. You know, now I lose you. Uh, as I read this, <clears throat> and I, I thought of myself and I thought of David with Bathsheba. There's a real parallel here on how the Lord sometimes has to uh, go through several steps to get through to us. You know, um, and of course, you know, the story of Bathsheba confronted by Nathan and, and David had been in his sin so long that he lost sight of how serious it was and that it was offending to God. How is God going to get through to this guy? And so what he does is he tells a story that David can relate to about uh, a guy who kills, you know, the story of, of a sheep that belonged to one guy. And for the first time, probably in months, David is irate about sin. He'd forgotten. Now all we got to do is translate that anger against sin to here. And so Nathan does it with one statement. You were the man. And all of a sudden, David realizes all the sin that he's committed. And it, and it pours out in uh, Psalm 51. Read it. Where the Lord uh, showed David himself. And he broke and confessed his sin. And that's what the Lord did with the Peter here. But it's not, like I said, the Lord doesn't do it just to make us feel bad. He does it so we can get honest with him, recognize who he is, recognize who I am, and then be used by him. The truth is, the truth is what Peter said here. Brace yourself. We don't belong with Jesus. Did you know that? Now, you say, wait a minute, I, I'm accepted in the beloved. Yeah, but in and of yourself, apart from Christ, you and I, we do not belong with him. Uh-uh. I mean, it's like there's the Lord and everybody else is over here, okay? We're not even close. Praise his name. Uh, we're going to be with him forever. But it's because of his grace that that's going to happen. Uh, we're not going to read it, but there's a wonderful parallel with this. I think most of you are familiar with it. God did it with his servant Isaiah as well. God had a commission for Isaiah to go out and speak for him. But before he turned him loose on the Israelites, uh, he had the same lesson in mind for him. And he gave Isaiah a vision of himself in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah says, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Remember that? And at the end, after he's got this vision of the Lord, Isaiah, having seen the Lord so clearly, now sees himself so clearly. It's, it's kind of neat. You know, the Lord's like a light bulb. When you see him for what he is, it's like, bing! All of a sudden, you see this stuff about yourself you never saw before. And so it was with Isaiah. He said, woe is me, for my I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. But the Lord didn't leave him there. He got the hot coal, touched his lips, his lips are cleansed. And then he asked the question to go out 
and take his message. So after showing Isaiah uh, who he is, and then he realizes it and he confesses it, then God uses him. Well, there's encouragement in this. Um, We'll end here. Turn to John chapter 21 because uh, this really continues this this uh, little lesson i've already referred to several instances where peter has to relearn the lesson about himself and about the lord here we are on john chapter this is after the resurrection peter has seen the lord he knows he's risen but i think peter after the denial was so so broken that um I think he just gave up on himself. The Lord didn't give up on him, but I think he thought the Lord had. You know? It's like, okay, now I really see. I just, I, I'm an unfaithful guy, you know? And so this is, this is a real uh, telling statement here in verse 3 of John 21. Uh, the disciples are together, and, si- and Peter says, I'm going fishing. You know, what did it say back in Luke? It said they gave up the nets and the boats, right? <laughs> but he doesn't know what to do with himself, you know? So he goes back to fishing. And uh, I love this. It says, we're going with you too, you know? He's kind of like the unspoken leader. They don't know what to do. So Peter's going fishing. Let's all go fishing. Uh, verse 4. <clears throat> or Well, let's finish verse 3. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught what? Nothing. Sound familiar? <laughs> Here we are fishing without the Lord again. <clears throat> but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. And the boat almost sinks again. Okay. <laughs> they needed to have the lesson again. Well, uh, the chapter doesn't end there because uh, the Lord then restores Peter. And guess what? Just like before and just like with Isaiah, he says, now I can use you, Peter. He says, feed my sheep and tend my lambs. That's the way he is. It's a lesson we all need to learn, and not just once. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, God could reach the world without us, believers. He doesn't need us. But it's a wonderful thing that he chooses to, he chooses to use sinners like us to do his work. But uh, in order to be useful, we've got to be honest with him. We've got to see him clearly. We've got to see ourselves clearly. I don't know. When's the last time you had this lesson? Maybe, um, I use the illustration often, maybe you've got too much mud on your shoes right now. I told you about the time we dug up the adobe out in our front yard. And uh, that stuff, man, it's like glue. We got done. I was that much taller. You know, it felt so weird walking down the sidewalk, looking farther down than I used to. It cakes on you, you know. Sin's like that. It kind of accumulates, you know. And the, and the vision gets dimmer. 
hey, God can't use me. Until I, I, I come clean, literally, like Isaiah and like Peter. And get back to square one and say, that's right, Lord. This is the way you are, and this is the way I am. I'm a sinner. And a wonderful thing happens, you know. He forgives us. He cleanses us. But greatest of all, He uses us. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just worship you this morning for who you are. Not just what you've done, but what a wonderful Savior you are. And how patient, how kind. I confess it in my own life, Lord. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't departed from me. You haven't given up on me. I thank you, Lord, for coming back again and again and waiting for me to wake up. And Lord, I I pray for all of us here who know you that uh, we wouldn't stray too far away. That when we sense the distance between us, we know it's not because of you, but it's because of us. We've forgotten who we are. And we've forgotten who you are. Lord, give us that vision again. If there's anyone here who uh, maybe there's something in their life that you'd like to put your finger on, but they've stopped hearing. You'd unstop their ears and show it to them. Lord, our life is so short. We know you're coming soon. And we just want to be useful for you. Lord, we don't want to waste our time uh, on frivolities. We want to spend it serving you and pleasing you and loving you. So we do pray that you would help us by your grace. In your precious name. Amen.